All right, well, hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. Welcome to The Edge Church. My name is Stephen Van Denen. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, really glad to have you joining with us today as we continue on in our series through the book of Colossians that we're calling Christ in You. And this is a series where the Apostle Paul has been teaching the church. He's, he's been teaching us about what it means and what it looks like for us to receive Christ and, and to live out our new life in him, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what we've seen so far in our study is that, that, that this work of God in us not only transforms and changes us and makes us more like Jesus, but that it also affects and informs and directs our relationships too. Just this last time we were together, we looked at how God's spirit and the gospel informs the, the way that we're to relate to one another in the church as the family of God, and it, where it tells us that we're to be, be compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another and loving one another like Jesus. And now today, with, with that really as our foundation, Paul's going to move us from talking about the church or the family of God to your family, to talking about husbands and wives and parents and children. And, and now for some of you, you might already be thinking, well, this is a message for me uh, to tune out to because, because maybe you think, well, this isn't really for me, right? Uh, so let me just say that, that to you who are unmarried, you're single, you're widowed, for those of you without children, let me just share with you a few reasons for why this message is still for you, okay? Firstly, uh, this message might actually be for your future, Okay, so, so while this not, might not be your situation currently, th this could be something that God is preparing for you to have and is coming your way. So this message is actually in preparation for something for you. Secondly, uh, th this might be a message that not, it might not be specifically for you, but is a message from you. That, that this might be a, a message where God wants to teach you some things and show you some things that God wants to minister through you for the sake of somebody else who's going through it. Lastly, I'll just say this, that, that ultimately this message, like everything in scripture, is about Jesus and the gospel. And because Jesus and the gospel are for everyone, that includes you. And, and there's something that God has in this message for you today. So I just want to pray for us, uh, and then we'll jump in our word together uh, this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, come before you today in the name of your son, Jesus. God, thanks for this day that you've given us. Um, God, thanks for being present God, thanks for your word to us. God, you said that your word is living and active, Lord, that your word always accomplishes its purpose. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, God, as we open your word together, Lord, as we hear your word together, God, that you would speak, that we'd have ears to listen and to hear from you, God, that we'd have hearts that are open to receive of you, Lord, that you would teach us by your word today. God, I pray that every single person would receive something specifically for them today. God, thanks that it's no mistake that we're joined together today. God, thanks that's no mistake that we're tuned in right now. Lord, that you knew we would be, God, for the sake of, of what it is that you want to speak and what you want to bring into our lives. And so, God, help us to grab hold of that today. Lord, minister, I pray, to every single heart by your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bible, open it up to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to actually be looking at verses 18 through 21 today. Just four verses, uh, but believe me, there's more than enough packed into these four verses for us. And, and before we read this together, uh, I, I just want to first give you some context that I think is important for us uh, and will help us in our understanding of this passage. Remember that 
that here in Colossians, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church to teach us about what new life in Christ looks in and through our lives. And back in chapter one, he lays for us this foundation for, for really everything, teaching about how everything is about Jesus, how everything was created by Jesus, that he's the creator of all things. It was all created through him and, and that not only did he create everything, but that he sustains everything. He holds all things together. And not only did he create everything, and not only does he sustain everything, but, but it also teaches us that everything was created for him, which is to say that, that everything ultimately exists for his name and his glory. And really, we saw this last time we were together in Colossians 3, uh, verse 17, where it says to us, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, in other words, it's all about Jesus. And this includes your marriage, and this includes your family. They exist for the glory of of God, and, and really not for your glory, it's for the glory of God. And this is important for us to grab hold of because if we miss this, what will happen is you'll end up making your focus your family and not Jesus. And, and, and you'll end up really then with this family of your own making and your own design and your, your own character and your own purpose and not his. And so, so we want to start with Jesus and, and point to Jesus and look at Jesus and understand that everything, including marriage and family, exists for the glory of God. So, so the question then is, what does marriage the marriage relationship, what is the family relationship? What does uh, a, a marriage and family that represents Jesus and glorifies God look like? And, and this is where Paul is taking us in our text. He begins with the marriage relationship, starting in verse 18 with wives, because, you know, ladies first. And he says this in verse 18. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I'll be honest with you. I wish this verse wasn't first because this is, this is kind of one of those hotly contested verses in Scripture, particularly because of that one word, submit. Lots of thoughts and opinions and emotions around it. This is kind of one of those verses that carries some baggage with it. It's been the, resulted in some debate and, and disagreement. Uh, there's even been some division and and in churches and families because of it. And so it would certainly be easier to skip this one verse and move on to something else. But remember that this is God's word to us. And so we believe as scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture, including this verse, is breathed out by God and is profitable for us to teach us and correct us and rebuke us, to equip us and train us up in godliness and who he has made us to be in him for his glory. And so though it might make us a little bit uncomfortable or, or, or we just want to skip over some certain topics or subjects in the Bible that, that maybe are controversial, uh, it doesn't really honor the Lord or his word and, and it really doesn't honor his church. And so because we love Jesus and we live by his truth, we're going to look at this and see what God has to say to us in it. And here's what it says, verse 18, wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Now remember that this is about representing Jesus and glorifying God. This is the goal. And so Paul is saying that one of the ways this happens in marriage is by this act of submission. That word submit here in the Greek is this word hupotasso, and it's actually a, a military term, and it literally means to, to voluntarily place oneself uh, 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 under, or to place or order yourself under, like the way that, that a sergeant would be positioned under a general. 
Now, now, now let me just point out a few important things here. First of all, notice that, that this is a call to wives and not women. Okay, so this verse does not say women submit to men right? It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. So this is not about women in general. The Bible actually says to us in Ephesians 5.21, it says to submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. So submission is really something that should be a part of all of our lives, but there's this specific call here for wives in particular to lean into submission in this marriage relationship. Uh, secondly, this, this verse doesn't say wives obey your husbands, okay? For you wives, your husband's not your boss, he's not your master, he's not your dad, which is why it says to submit yourselves to, which means thirdly that this is a voluntary act. So this is not something that's done to you, right? This isn't some kind of oppressive devaluing of women, but, but submitting is something you choose to do or not to do yourself, and really for you husbands then, that this means that this isn't your verse, okay? So, so you don't get to use this verse to demand or manipulate or coerce your wife into doing what you think she ought to do or, or to, for her to do what you want her to do because this isn't for you. This is for wives to choose as a way of representing Jesus and glorifying God. So, which is really why Paul says at the end of verse 18, he says that this is fitting in the Lord, because it's representative of him and it honors and glorifies him. It, when we read in Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 23, Paul says it like this. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Paul is saying first here that, that your posture in marriage is to flow out of your posture to the Lord. Right? Submission is first about a heart for God and your worship of him, not some kind of dutiful response to a person. And listen here, an unyielded heart to the Lord will never yield itself to another, only itself, right? Meaning that, 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 that an unyielded heart to the Lord will never really lean towards submission, it'll just lean towards selfishness. Something else to note here is that Paul is saying submission is not about value or inferiority. It's reflective of Jesus himself. Because if submission were, were ultimately about value, then Jesus would be less valuable and inferior to God the Father because Jesus submitted himself to, to the Father. We see over and over again in the Gospels in places like John chapter 3 or John 5, John 14, John 17, Jesus saying things like, I came not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Even before going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, Jesus asked his father if there's any other way for mankind to be saved apart from giving up his life on the cross. But Jesus says, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus submitted himself, not because he was lesser or inferior, but for the purpose and the glory of God. A call to submit in marriage is a calling to represent Jesus and glorify God. It's not about losing honor. It's about giving honor. So, so, so what does submission look like then for a wife in marriage? Well, it looks like a humble yieldedness first to God and then to your husband. A wife glorifies God and represents Jesus through submitting to her husband. That's what Paul's saying here. Now, now to the husband, Paul says this in verse 19. He says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So, so, so husbands here get both a do and a do not, right? And here's what husbands are to do. Love your wives. How? 
right? Well, Ephesians 5, 25, Paul puts it this way. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So for you husbands, you are to love your wife like Jesus loves his church and gave himself for her. This means that, that to, for a husband to love, he is to love sacrificially. This is a servant's role. Jesus said in Mark 10, 45, he says, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Husbands are to love like Jesus in the way that they serve their wife, even when it's difficult, even when it hurts, even when it's not reciprocated, right? You, you remember a scene where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, even though they never washed his. This means that ultimately that your priority is giving and not getting. It's putting your wife's needs and interests and well-being above your own. It's not about getting your own way. It's about giving your life. And listen to me. Husbands, you really can't say something like, man, I'm willing to die for my wife if you're not even willing to forgive her, if you're not even willing to honor her. You can't say that I'd be willing to lay down my life for her if you're not willing to lay down your own pride for her, if you're not willing to give up your time for her or to have things uh, your own way, to lay down your own way for the sake of her good. Loving your wife like Jesus is a sacrificial role. It's also a sanctifying role. It, there in Ephesians 5, Paul says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. In verse 26, it says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Husbands, you're to love your wife just as she is while you do your best to help encourage her and nurture her towards God's fullness for her life. That's what he's saying. In fact, this word husband in the verse form literally means to cultivate, which is to help something develop to its fullest potential. So you husbands have been given this great responsibility not to hinder, but to help your wife grow and thrive and reach her fullest God-given potential that she might uh, be who God made her to be and walk in her destiny. Uh, lastly, then for husbands, this is an understanding role. Okay, contrary to the voices of pop culture, men and women are actually not the same, right? We are different by design, wonderfully and beautifully so. And, and part of our calling is to grow in our knowing of one another. So, so the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 3, 7 says to husbands, listen, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. This ultimately is about relationship and intimacy. You can't love your wife at a distance or by being distant, right? It requires intentionality and time and investment and sharing with her. It requires communication and honesty and vulnerability. Marriage is this amazing lifelong process of discovery with your spouse, growing with them and getting to know them, right? So, so, so really a question for your husbands is, do you actually really know your wife? Right? Are, are you growing in your understanding of her? What is it that she likes? What, what, what does she not like? What, what are her, her passions and, and dreams and goals? What are her fears and insecurities and concerns? What, is, what does she need from me? What, 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 what would help her? What, what ministers to her and blesses her? This is the do for husbands. Love your wives. And, and now here's the don't, right? Paul, Paul says, and do not be harsh with them. In, in, in other words, like, don't yell at her. Don't berate her. Don't dismiss her. Don't talk down to her. Don't, be, uh, don't ignore her. Don't threaten her. Don't hurt her with your words or your actions. Don't be aggressive towards her and violent towards her. Love her. 
Love her by, by being loving towards her. In the last part of 1 Peter 3, 7, he says that, like, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Listen, so that your prayers may not be hindered. God says, husbands, if you do not treat your wife in an understanding and honorable way, you will not have my listening ear. God says, your prayer will actually be hindered because of the way that you treat my daughters. God cares deeply and takes very seriously how you treat his daughters, and and so should you, husbands. And so the encouragement to you, husbands, is to love like Jesus. And wives, the encouragement to you here is to submit like Jesus. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 5, 33. He says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Loving and respecting or honoring are essential for a good and God-glorifying marriage and for how we display Christ through our marriages, because ultimately marriage is meant to be a picture of the gospel of Jesus and his church. And so here's my encouragement to you husbands and wives. Take some time together and actually sit with this. Okay, don't just hear me talk about it, but actually sit down together and talk about it. Seek the Lord about it. Ask God to reveal to you and lead you in how to walk this out. And, and, and really start with yourself, right? Start with your own heart because your first responsibility is not to correct them, but to deal with you, right? And, and oftentimes husbands will think that they have a verse 18 problem with their wife, but what they really have is a verse 19 problem with themselves, right? And vice versa for wives. And so, so take some time and share together. Listen to one another. Ask one another how, how they feel loved and respected. Pray for one another, right? Spend time with one another. Remember here that marriage isn't primarily about roles. It's about relationship. And so it's both husbands and wives loving and respecting one another unto the Lord so that Jesus is displayed and God is glorified. Look at verse 20 now. It says this, it says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. So now Paul is moving this conversation from marriage to family and, and, and he's starting with the children. And so for all you kids watching right now, God's word says to you that you look like Jesus and you glorify your God when you obey your parents. Now to obey literally means to stand under. It means that you are according to God under the authority of your parents. Now I know that you might not like that. I know there's times that you don't want that to be true. I know there's times you don't feel like listening to your folks, right? But but ultimately obedience is not a punishment to you, but rather a blessing to you. It says here that that your obedience pleases the Lord. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, it says that that in the last days, one of the characteristics of people who don't know God and don't belong to God is that they will be disobedient to their parents. And, And so ultimately, you don't obey your parents just because they say so or want you to. You obey your parents because God says so and he wants you to. And this is one of the evidences that you belong to God and one of the ways that you show Jesus to the world. See, when Jesus walked on the earth, he would regularly say that he doesn't just do what he wants. He does what the Father tells him. He doesn't just say whatever he says what the Father tells him to say. He obeys the Father. And so when you, kids, when you obey your mom or your dad, right, you're actually putting Jesus on display and representing to the world what it looks like to be a child of God. Ephesians 6, one says it like this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is 
right. And the, and the key word here is in the Lord, okay? The, the key phrase, in the Lord. This means that for you kids, the invitation to you is to know Jesus for yourself, that you spend time with God, that you spend time in his word, that you spend time in prayer, talking to him and listening to him, that you have your own relationship with God and you follow him yourself, right? That you don't just think that, that you're close to God because your parents follow Jesus, but you follow him. This also means then for you parents that, that if obedience is right and it pleases the Lord, then obedience ought to be a family expectation and not a suggestion. This assumes also that you give your kids godly expectations to follow and obey and that you don't just let them do whatever they want, right? Too often parents, even Christian parents, will simply raise the, their kids the way that they were raised and say, well, well, it worked for me, right? Like, like this, this worked for me when I was a kid and I turned out okay, which, which maybe even is questionable, right? But ultimately, you're not the standard. Your responsibility before God as a parent is not to raise up your child or your children according to your standard or your upbringing. It's not to raise them uh, up according to the, the ways of the culture or, or media or the latest self-help parenting book, right? It is to raise them up in the Lord, which means that we start with ourselves walking closely to Jesus and pointing our children to him along the way. Kids to obey, ultimately, it means that you listen and it means that you do what is asked of you and you do that completely and to the best of your ability, ability, as if you're doing it for the Lord himself. And, and what Paul says here is that you actually represent Jesus and you glorify God, you bring glory to God as you obey your parents. Now, now, now this last verse here, verse 21, he says to parents, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, the, the way that the Greek is structured here, it's actually talking about all parents and not specifically fathers. And so this is for all you parents, right? He's saying that, that, that you reflect Jesus and glorify God when you encourage, not discourage your children. Th think about it like, a bank account. Encouragement is a deposit and criticism is a withdrawal. And the majority of our time with our kids is meant to be us making deposits. Lots and lots of, of encouragement along, along the way. This could be verbal affirmation. This could be a letter, a text, an email, a message, a phone call, right? A Facebook page if they're old enough to have that or whatever social media they use. This is a hug, uh, right? This is encouragement. This is you expressing, hey, I love you. Way to go. Way to try. You're a blessing. You matter. But what provokes a child to discouragement is when you're more of a critic than a coach. When you spend more time pointing out their shortcomings and failures rather than their efforts and successes. And this isn't really just about what they do right. It's about who they are, right? Because real encouragement is not so much tied to uh, someone's achievements as it is to their identity. It's about who they are and who God made them to be. See, see what every child needs to know is that no matter where they go, right, that, that, that no matter what anybody else thinks about them, that there's somebody in their house. And, and far too many kids go looking for significance outside of the home because they don't find it in their home. Encouragement says, I love you because of who you are. I, I, I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because you're special. I love because you because you're a gift from God. I love you because you're my kid. Encouragement lifts up rather than puts down. Have you ever seen what happens to a drooping plant when you water it, right? That's what encouragement does in the life 
of your kid. It is life-giving. Encourage with your words. Bless them, right? Don't just pray for your kids. Pray over them. Pray with them. When's the last time you as a parent, you just held your kid and prayed for them while they were there with you, when you spoke blessing over their life? That's a powerful and encouraging thing for them to experience with you. Encourage them with your time and your attention. Be present in their lives. Prioritize them. Have time that's set aside just for them and for being with them. This shows them that they're not just an afterthought, right? They're not just an inconvenience or not just an interruption to you, but they're actually a joy to you. They're a blessing to your life. It says you matter to me and are important to me. This also means then keeping your word to them, right? Even when that's hard even when it hurts, right? And it means owning your shortcomings and saying you're sorry when you get it wrong. You know that, that one of the greatest ways to discourage your kids is to be a parent who lacks repentance, it is to be a parent who can never admit that they're wrong and say, I'm sorry. Parenting isn't about perfection. It's about pointing your kids to the one who is. It's about showing them the, the grace of God in your life and through your life, even when you're wrong. So encourage your kids and who God has made them to be. Proverbs 22, 6 says to parents, it says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. N- notice that it says here that, that you're to train them in the way they should go, not in the way that you want them to go. This means that, that as parents, you're not trying to live vicariously through your kids, okay? You're not pressuring them to become what you always wished you had become. You you nurture them to be who God made them to be with the gifting and the passion he's given to them because they're not you and because every single kid is unique in their own way. And so that requires spending time with them to uncover their gifts, to uncover their passion so that you can help them to grow and one day release them into their God-given destiny. Let me also just say this here too, that, that, that in the end, kids still get to decide whether they follow Jesus or not. And the reality is, is that, that for some kids, they'll grow up and they'll choose to rebel. They will choose to walk away. They'll maybe choose not to follow Jesus. And some of you parents today need to know that that, that wasn't about you, okay? That, that this was about them and their heart before God. And you've been holding on to this for a long time and it's been weighing on you as if as if your child is the product of all your right and wrong decisions and it's just not true they they actually have their own will and their own ability to choose and so so for some of you today is your day to finally put down that guilt and that shame that you've been carrying for a long time to just be free in the Lord, free to love your child or children, free to pray for them, free to bless them and free just to trust in the goodness of God and the work of his spirit in their lives. Parents, if you wanna be an encourager, here's, here's what I encourage you to do. Take some time and just sit with your kids and ask them, ask them the question, hey, what are some things that I do or I say that encourage you, that, 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 that help you to know that, that you're important to me and I love you? And, and what are some things that I do or say that discourage you, that make you sad or that make you feel like you're not that important to me? And, and actually listen to them, learn from them. Your kids are a great teacher. And, and, and as you receive from them and as you share with them, then you allow God to stir your heart and to move you in ways where you become an encourager. Parents, you represent Jesus 
and you glorify God as you encourage your children in the Lord. Everything, remember, everything was made by God and everything was made for him, including your marriage and including your family. My prayer for you is for you husbands and you wives, my prayer for, for you kids and you parents is that you will look to the Lord, that you will lean into his word, that you will call upon his spirit to lead and guide and direct you so that in your marriage and in your family, you might experience the fullness of God and be a display of the glory of God and, and the gospel of Jesus in the world. Let, let, let's pray as we close uh, this message today. Father, thanks for this time. God, thanks for your word. And Lord, I, I just pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would minister in each and every heart. God, that you encourage husbands and wives and parents and children. God, that you'd en encourage your children, your sons and your daughters. Lord, that we would uh, live lives, Lord, reflective of who you are. God, I, I, I pray for great conversations. Lord, I, I pray for great times together. Lord, times where couples are growing together, times where families are growing together. God, that we would hear from one another, listen to one another, learn from one another, grow, God, in what you're calling us to grow and walk in what you're calling us to walk in. God, for the sake of your name and your glory. And God, really for the fullness, God, of what it is that you wanna do in our families. So God, thanks for this time. God, move in us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week. Uh